0: Okay, so the wildest thing that's ever happened at my agency was a dispute of parking spaces between one of my LSPs, my sales licensed sales producers, and an owner in the suite next door to a point where on a Friday night, my LSP, which I was not there or else I would have stopped it, went and <laughs> banged on this ice cream shop's window and actually flipped in the bird and then <laughs> and then ran off. The next business day, the uh, ice cream shop owner came to me and let me know what had happened and sure enough we had to let that let that LSP go, man. That was absolutely wild. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I I thought, wow, it takes a lot to be able to do such a thing. It's just a parking space. And we've got a gigantic parking lot out front. There's hundreds of spaces, but apparently (laughs) they all wanted that one space. So...
1: Uh, Even better. Yeah.
0: So uh, (laughs) my name is Keith Zabrocki. I'm a captive agent with a very large insurance company, and I'm an insurance dude.
1: Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets
2: to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretziger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are Insurance Dudes. Right now, while
1: it's fresh in your mind, check out live.teledudes.com. We took our notes from over 100 interviews with top agents from around the country and made it into a live webcast. Using these strategies led Craig and I to selling more than $10 in premium in the last two years. On this call, you'll receive the exact blueprint to get the same results. Just go to
2: live.teledudes.com to register for this upcoming
1: Tuesday's live call with us. If you jump on this call with us, we're certain 2022 will be an absolutely fantastic year for you. See you there. Yes. 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 Welcome, Keith. It's great (laughs) to have you.
0: Thank you. Are you parking in that
1: parking space? Right now? (laughs) Who's parked at?
0: Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 rest assured, that that ice cream shop owner, they sold their business to a new owner, so uh, they've since vacated the place. The ice cream shop's still open, but they put up a sign. They actually put up a sign now that says, this is parking only. It's for to-go orders and stuff like that. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, sure enough, man, it was a doozy. I never thought that we would be in such you know, like first world problems to where we had to, you know, squabble over, you know, parking <laughs> spots right out front. It was crazy. Yeah. It's like, guys, you know, you can walk an extra 20 feet to another parking spot. There's like <laughs> five others right there. What What is the significance of this one?
2: Right, Right, I I don't,
0: I don't get it. So that's
2: what makes that story so good. Is that it wasn't the last parking spot? No, no, it (laughs) wasn't. No,
0: there's (laughs) ninety eight other ones. Sure, it was right out front. I get that, but I mean, like, really? (laughs) 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 Next row over. So good. (laughs) Yeah, I actually
1: like to park kind of far away so I actually get some exercise in.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Look, hey man, I'm with you.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you can just run to work, Craig.
0: What did you see? Well, you
1: know, at this age, like parking far away is about all I can do. (laughs) That that is the workout. That's the that's the with the walker and with the little tennis balls (laughs) with the the walker. (laughs)
0: Aren't you still riding your bike?
1: I have not been riding. I just got it all tuned up. I'm ready to ready to go. Jason really demoralized me talking about my spandex. (laughs) Oh, he did. Well, I don't know
2: why he has to wear the old spandex
1: you, Does it you really have to for the seat yeah on the on the road bike you have to wear that thing it's called a kit not a spandex it's called a kit
0: well I guess you can always get one of those really big cushy seats no then it, the it doesn't the spring on it
1: no yeah. so when you're if you ride like 50 miles everything is important like for aerodynamics for your legs oh, rub like you can't have your legs rubbing on like a beach cruiser seat because you'll chafe.
0: Oh, truly. Yeah. I used to ride not 50 miles like you're doing, but uh, when I was riding, it was critical. And you can't go those long distances without type of padding because those seats that they oh, supply, man. especially on those marathon bikes, it's man, crazy. that's, I don't even know why they would give you such a seat that has virtually no padding. It's so uncomfortable. Uh, like mile three. You're like, Oh, come on. Yeah. It, <laughs> it takes a break. few
1: weeks to like get the callus in that area <laughs> but it they don't even call it a seat they call it a saddle
0: yeah i guess that's their way of saying it's not comfortable <laughs> yeah, yeah right
1: yeah because <laughs> if you ever ride a horse that's not comfortable i don't know how nope. they do that
0: <laughs> nope not at all yeah my wife uh for christmas got me a uh Nordic track uh rowing machine i am addicted to that oh thing. nice Ooh. that thing is freaking awesome if you like, okay, so riding your bike, it's great workout. It's great cardio. It's great for your legs. You're going to tone up your legs, right? But you're not going to do much for your upper body where that rowing machine is all straight upper body. You're going to work out everything. Your back, yeah. your biceps, your lats, your traps, everything, man.
1: It's amazing. I,
0: mean, I can't last 20 minutes on that thing. Yeah. I truly cannot. I mean, you feel like your arms are going to fall off, <laughs> but man, oh man, it feels great when you're done. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm addicted to that. Is 2,000.
1: The 2000 yep. is the big thing on that.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, like my comments, my comments with the bike definitely is out of ignorance because I've never, I've never ridden that far. And I will say this: that if I did get into it, I would definitely get some awesome spandex, probably in fluorescent colors. With you uh, just get some, insurance some dudes opiates. spandex,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except those don't have the those. I think are yoga pants. So ladies, there are insurance dudes yoga pants at the store.
0: Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I, we can
1: handle this order that's going to come in now.
0: I've, I, I have a feeling I'm going to see a Facebook post with Mr. Jason sitting you know, riding his bike, but he's standing up, and it says insurance dudes across his ass. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. That is going to happen. Brandon wants to oh wear them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, well,
2: let's dive in before we ride too far away in this conversation. <laughs> oh, no, you yeah, didn't. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> Keith, tell us how you got into this crazy business that we like to refer to as the insurance business.
0: Oh, man, I'll tell you. All right. Well, my history and what led me to this is kind of a mixture between life insurance and mortgages and then ultimately property and casualty, you know. Uh, With the captive agent that I'm with now. You know, when I graduated from Ohio State, you know, how people in the state of Ohio would say the Ohio State University, my first Mm -hmm. job, I got recruited by a life insurance company by the name of American Income Life. And they were a competitor to Western Southern, which I believe Allison Doner was with. And my job was to drive. Like sometimes up to three hours one way to these little towns on the Ohio River. So Ohio, the Ohio River separates Ohio and West Virginia. So we're talking like Appalachia. It's kind of economically kind of depressed, right? And my job was to go down there to sell union benefits to coal miners and steel workers and you know, union families. And I'll tell you, the culture down there is is amazing because those people will do whatever they can to help you out. They will give you the shirt off their back. But they're also vastly just uninsurable. There's not a lot of economic opportunity there. So a lot of times I'm making house calls, I'm driving three hours in one way and I'm making house calls to, you know, a manufactured home, a double wide that probably doesn't have running water (laughs) to meet with some families that are just completely uninsurable. And I did that for three and a half years. I worked for six days a week. I would leave my house at like 9 a.m. I probably wouldn't get back because it was, you know, six hours each way, or that was probably the furthest uh, that I've driven. Sometimes it was an hour away, sometimes two hours away, but I wouldn't get home until like eight or, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And, I found at the age of like 22 or 23 that eating Cheetos from a local (laughs) gas station or trying to seek out a subway in these small towns, it just wasn't for me. So after three and a half years being with American Income, I joined a lending firm in downtown Columbus, right? The lending firm was called Residential Finance Corp. So I became a loan officer with them. And it was great. It was, you know, nine to nine to six, nine to nine to seven, you know, sometimes nine to nine if it was the end of month and we were kind of trying to push loans through. But I really kind of gained a lot of insight into how a call center environment can work. And really kind of get the fundamentals and the basics of a sales process down to where we could really kind of apply that towards the insurance space. Well, in 2014, the firm, Residential Finance, actually just went belly up. And that was just due to the mortgage industry. You know, just it does have closings. Companies do go under. And unfortunately, the company I was with did go under. So at the time, I had a couple of friends that actually saw the writing on the wall and jumped ship. One friend you guys all know, Tolga, Tolga Demerol, uh-huh. we worked at RFC together. And a couple of other guys that are still captive agents with the insurance carrier that I'm with, they, all, they had all said, hey, Keith, this is a good opportunity. You should uh, join up. So I've joined up, and I've been with this captive agent here for the last seven years. Loving it, man. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um,
1: so did you acquire, or did you, did you start from Scratch. 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 Okay. So you went in there, guns blazing, ready to rock and roll after dealing with coal miners and then doing loans. (laughs) Take us back to the earliest win that you had that kind of fueled the fire and and really got you excited.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. The earliest win. I guess you could say I kind of, I have this humbled mentality that even if a win comes across, it's more of a blessing to me. Um. Maybe it's just because I'm in the moment that I can't think of something to where I can really kind of recall. But I can tell you this is that when I was trying to staff up back in 2014, I was having some issues with staffing. And my field sales leader at the time had got me paired up with somebody at corporate who was able to help me identify some candidate to get hired. So where I was set to open with one salesperson, I actually ended up opening with five. Oh, so I wow. guess if we're gonna look at it from the insurance space with the captive agent I'm with, my first win <laughs> was was in the pre days of the opening of my agency. Yeah. And that was I guess you and that was a blessing because my FSL didn't have to do that. And he did. So it was something that I'm I'm eternally grateful because that was, you know, opening from a scratch agency where you've got nothing, right? Right. And it's all capital and you're just sinking money in and you're trying to spin your wheels and you're trying to hire and, and recruit and now you're trying to generate business and you're buying leads and you're doing this and that. None of that stuff would have worked if I didn't have people. Right. So for Joe to do that for me was what really kind of set the wheels in motion
1: yeah starting off at the scratch is like being in a giant warehouse fire right oh my god yeah and (laughs) if you already have the team i think that is probably the most challenging piece of everything right you're going to try all the different stuff and finally link up but um if you have a team that's huge i mean that creates some momentum right out of the gate love that yeah Yeah, how many people do you have now
0: let's see i've got nine of us now Nine of us, and then I do have a tele team. Cool, um, and so, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
2: tell us about the your team and the roles in your agency now.
0: All right, so I've got seven LSPs now, which I have a defined role type of setup here at my agency. So, or agencies, because I've got two of them. I've got one in Westerville, the other in Powell, and uh, these are two suburb cities outside of Columbus. I really kind of in this kind of just is this pulling from uh, my experience being in the in the mortgage industry is that we have to have defined roles. Like when you're in the mortgage Mm industry, you're either a loan officer or you're a processor. A loan officer sells the deal. The processor processes the loan, right? So when I got big enough here at the agencies, I decided, okay, well, we're going to have those dedicated roles. So I've got two service people that their job is to straight service the clients every day. Right. So service people service and then sales people sell. So I've got seven uh, sales producers and then two service people. Cool. Super mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. An and exact- then,
1: oh, you go. sorry. Uh, well, it, with the makeup of the team, how important is the culture? that you've created? And how have you created that? What have you done to create that great culture?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Uh, You know, culture is absolutely critical for any type of team building, any type of mission statement that you put out there. We have to be able to cultivate that culture. And that culture is really going to be, it's either going to be implemented and cultivated by me, or unfortunately, it's just going to go by the wayside. One of the things that I did was when I was recruiting... Uh, or when I am recruiting is Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for people that fit the mentality of being coachable, right? That you have a, well, if we're interviewing you for a, a sales role, that you're of that, you know, competitiveness, that you're coachable, that you've got a great attitude, that you understand that, you know, you're accountable for your actions and your goals, but at the same time, you're also part of a team. So the culture for us, and don't get me wrong, we did put out a list of non-negotiables and we do it every single year where we remind everyone, hey guys, you know, attitude is huge. We need to make sure that we're displaying some professionalism, that uh, you have to be coachable. We're going to run through a series of training modules and it's absolutely required that you attend them. There is nothing that's more important than attending a training module. You know, and, and it's just more or less, everyone knows that they're part of a team. And that if you're a part of a team, you need to pull your weight. So when we put out those goals every single month of whatever one is supposed to hit, now everyone knows what their mission is and they need to go to complete their mission. You know, I've got a sales manager. His name is Aaron. His goal every single month is to write 80 items. So 80 items in Ohio, that's around $40,000 in new business premium. And that's what his goal is, right, in addition to also managing the team and fielding questions and holding sales meetings and stuff like that. So that's the culture. And I guess I just got lucky when it came to identifying the right candidates because every single person out there on that floor is willing to help each other out. It's not some kind of cutthroat prison rules, you know, type of environment <laughs> where let's say, you know, Tim quotes somebody today and then Josh picks up the phone tomorrow and gets it bound and it puts his own subproducer number in there.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's definitely not it. I mean, we've, yes, we've got some clearly defined type of rules where we say, hey guys, you know, if it's quoted, the original writing LSP has 30 days to be able to get it sold. If it's outside 30 days, then it can go to our free to bind for anyone that uh, should get in contact with them and get it bound up, but they kind of act as a big family out there and they're all looking out for each other and they cover each other and and they, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. It's nice that they have that team cohesiveness and that they're all friends. I
2: love that. It's so important too, because I've been a part of the opposite and it's tough. And then you realize, Hey, I got to cultivate this kind of mentality in the office. And once you cultivate that, yeah, I mean, they all love it because they're all rowing in the same direction and to help each yes. other out. Yeah. How do you recruit? How do you recruit, find agents to come in and to be a part of that culture? Do you list those non negotiables that you mentioned in the interview or?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, as far as recruiting goes, I've found that the best way to be able to attract people to submit their resumes to you and stuff like that is through Indeed. And you can either do that by, you know, posting your own job requisition and then, I don't know, I I guess their word is boosting it. Maybe I'm wrong in that terminology, but, you know, you could set your monthly budget to be able to, to post that job postings and you'll get people that will respond to that and submit their resumes to you. Indeed actually has that resume uh, search, which, yeah, actually, Jason, I think you and I went yeah. through that a couple months ago where mm-hmm. you can actually target people that work at competitors and you can send them a direct message saying, hey, you know, we've got a good thing going on over here. If you're not happy with your current carrier, let's talk. I'm clearly, I'm paraphrasing that, but I found that to be a very cost efficient way of going about and getting people that are qualified that you yourself want to talk to. But then at the same time, you can also really, through that effort there, you can identify certain industries that would be a perfect fit for the insurance space. Let's take, for instance, mm. and this is one that I found that's absolutely huge is that with the Indeed resume search, you can search out collection agents. And then send them a message. Oh my gosh. Collection agents, they're used to getting hung up on all day, every day. They're used to getting right. yelled at. I mean, they're chasing down people that owe them money, right? <laughs> right. right? I mean, that sounds like a pretty hard hustle. Yeah. Whereas you're still making the same amount of calls. Yes, you're you're receiving live transfers and that's wonderful, right? So that's, that's a breath of fresh air. But now you're offering something in the insurance space to where you could, A, give them better coverage, B, save them money, or C, give them better coverage and save them money. And you're creating value. So the resume search and indeed.com allows you to be able to kind of pinpoint down the type of person that you want to add to your team. And uh, depending on how many messages you want to send per month, man, I'll tell you, you can go big. You can go 500 messages in one month. No problem.
1: Are you doing that yourself? I am. It's a,
0: yeah. Okay. It is labor intensive and it does take time, but see, I'm willing to invest the time to know that I'm getting the person that I want to talk to. Right. I'm selectively reaching out to that person saying, Hey, I'm interested in talking with you because I see that you're doing this and you might be a good role for my team. Sure. So I do have that. If I reserve like an hour or even a half hour a day to do it, then it works. And mm-hmm. you get a steady flow of people that will respond saying, I'm interested in talking to you about it and just set up an appointment. Now you're off to the races.
1: Right. So yeah, yeah good. Well, I was going to jump into after. So you find them, you do the interview, you, you bring them on. Now, what do you do to ensure that this new team member is going to be successful at your agency? Good question.
0: Man, oh man. So <laughs> I am not, <laughs> I am so hands-on when it comes to training and ramping up because uh-huh. I feel like, well, one, it's a tremendous financial investment in that person and I don't want to leave that to chance. But two, I know that that person is kind of feeling like a fish out of water. It's a new role. It's a new company, might even be a new industry that they've just joined. And I want to make sure that I'm putting them in the best chance for success. So we go through crazy amount of training. I mean, yes, the company I'm with goes through virtual binding. No problem. You get that from there. I'm telling you, it feels like two to three weeks of just constant ongoing training. Don't get me wrong. They're on the phones. They're quoting people. But I'll give them a list of 40 uh, centers of influence that they need to uh, get names and phone numbers and deck pages of. So therefore, they can get quotes done. The intent here, and they know this, the intent is not to sell your friends and family. That's not the point. The point is, is to get that practice to quote people, right? right? So there are, yes, we do Jeremy Olson uh, role play. There's a handful of different platforms and I don't want to plug them because, you know, it's not relevant. But sure enough, you know, regarding the ongoing content that we go through, quite extensive, not to mention there's probably about two hours a day that I'll sit down with them. We'll go through all their quotes. We'll go through rebuttals. We'll go through overcoming objections. We're going to go through RMPs, trial closing, how to build their quotes, how to sell a personal umbrella policy. I mean, you name it, we're covering it.
2: I love that. There's so many different training platforms. I honestly, if you're not using any kind of training or really a group to be a part of that encourages these behaviors of of winning in an insurance agency, then any of them are good, right? Mm -hmm. Like to do any of them is better than to not do any of them. And I I think that's awesome. There's so many good ones out there. You brought up a lot of amazing stuff (laughs) that you guys do when bringing on someone but like if you had to boil it down to somebody that maybe didn't have any kind of process when they brought someone on, what what would you say the number one, maybe number one training tip that is the most effective?
0: Quoting. Quoting. Look, I mean, it, yeah, if it, if it had to be one thing and only one thing, especially in a sales role, your LSPs need to know how to quote somebody. Mm -hmm. And they need to do it fast. We're not talking about, you know, spending 20 minutes to do an auto quote. No, 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 no. And practice makes perfect when it comes to this. So if there's one thing that an LSP, and if the question is really just give me one thing that somebody needs to do, it would absolutely be learn how to quote for sure, or learn how to complete a quote. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love what you said there because the repetitiveness is part of that position and it's going to be repetitive regardless of of what they do so if you establish incorrect habits and then they repeat 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 mm-hmm. then they're going to be doing it they're going to be training to do it poorly mm-hmm. right and that's why in those first couple of weeks you're so hands on which is critical right we have to establish the right behavior up front
0: yeah. Speaking of behavior, let me let me dive into something that kind of just came to mind uh, when we were talking about culture, we were talking about accountability and all this other stuff. There's one thing that I took away from the uh, mortgage business was some fundamentals that uh, was kind of ingrained in our minds at the time that I brought over into the insurance space. And it's a term or a phrase that was used by a trainer that we met with every corner. And this trainer would always tell us, he would say, hey guys, focus on the root, not the fruit. Focus on, oh yeah, this is big. Focus on what you can control and the results will come. So focus on... How many? Well, so let's translate that into the insurance base. Focus on how many outbound phone calls you're making. Focus on at least getting four hours of phone time a day. You know, make it a point to at least get eight or at least eight serious quotes a day, right? When you're on your calls, make sure that you're establishing rapport. Right, that you're asking questions to really kind of humanize the experience, so you can take away or kind of remove that dichotomy of I'm a salesperson and I'm trying to sell you an insurance policy. And Mm. let's let's break down those walls and say, you know, I'm Keith at this insurance agency, and your name is, you know, Bob, whatever. And now we're just having a conversation between two guys that I'm now educating you or I'm showing you value on why you would want to join my agency. So if we're able to focus on our daily activities and having good quality conversations with somebody, then those sales will come. So focus on the root, not the fruit. Love that. Focus uh,
1: on the root, not the fruit.
0: Yeah. It sounds so cheesy, but the thing is, is that it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Being in the insurance business where you're selling a product or service, whatever you want to call it, that every single person needs. So any person that you come across has a need to talk with you. And if you can make sense, if you can give them better coverage, if you can save them money, if you could do both, at the same time, add value by educating them, then they can potentially be your client. So if you do it in a right way, focus on the root, not the fruit, then the results will take care of themselves. Love
1: that. So- yeah. We're focusing on the root, not the fruit. And even (laughs) under those circumstances, the repetitiveness can get a little old and they can get complacent. Hey, what are you still doing here? Well, while
2: you're still here and while it's fresh in your mind, check out live.teledudes.com.
1: Yeah, if you weren't listening before, we took notes from over 100 interviews with top agents from around the country and made it into a live webcast. Using these strategies did help
2: Craig and I Right over 10 million in premium in the last couple of years.
1: And let me tell you, on this call, you'll receive the exact blueprint to get the very same results.
2: Again, that's live.teledudes.com to register for this upcoming Tuesday's live call with us.
1: And if you jump on with us, we are certain 2022 will be an absolutely fantastic year for you. See you there.